Good evening, welcome to the fifth episode of Hughes Views, 3rd of March 2021. Sponsors are Amphibian Apparel, whatever the situation, home, streetwear and sports, no excuses. And KH Decorating, making your house a home. So today's agenda, we're just going to go through um, weekend's results. Um, Dan, I'm just going to reel through a few of these and then we're going to highlight a couple of teams that have stood out for us. Uh, so Man City beat West Ham 2-1. West Bromwich Albion uh, won Brighton 0. Leeds 0, Villa 1. Newcastle and Wolves played out a one-all draw. Palace and Fulham, a board draw, 0-0. Leicester 1, Arsenal 3. Spurs 4, Burnley 0. Chelsea 0, Man United 0. Sheffield United 0, Liverpool 2 and Everton 1, Southampton 0. So there's a couple of teams based on those results down that I pulled out. The first I'll pull out is Southampton. Do you think Ralph Hasenhutl is under pressure at the moment? Based on the, the start to their season and the way that they've sort of dipped in form, I don't think he's necessarily under pressure, but the next couple of weeks could be of paramount importance to them. I think if they if they continue the form that they're in, that is relegation form. Uh, and a lot of people were tipping them for a, for a top sort of 6-7 finish earlier on in the season. So it's very surprising to see how they're performing at the moment. Um, I think they'll have enough to, to stay up, but it depends on what their fan base is, is really expecting now. I think the first half of the season, they would have been expecting some big things uh, but clearly that's not that's not going to happen now. I think I saw a parody account on Twitter and it was saying, um, you know, null and void the season now or put, put a stop to it. And I think Southampton had played seven games and they had 18 points from a possible 21 and they were top. So they had such a good start to the season. Um, and then obviously they've had a bit of a dip in form, like you say. I think uh, they've had about 10 plus or so injuries since the start of Christmas. Do you think injuries have taken a toll on the squad? Yeah, maybe. Uh, but I don't, you know... Obviously, it's it's different for every team, but there, there's been loads of injuries this season. There's been teams that have been played with injuries all, all over the league, so you got to get results with the team that you that you have. I don't think you can have excuses on that. You know, ourselves at Palace have got, have got a, a huge list of injuries, a full treatment room, and then you know Liverpool as well. There's loads of teams that have got got that situation. I guess I'm thinking if I could pinpoint a player who had that dip in form is Danny Ings. I mean, at the start of the season, um, he was on fire. I'm just looking at his stats for this season. He scored eight goals in 21 appearances. Last season, he scored 22 goals in 38 appearances. So he's gone off the boil a little bit. They've got a good run of games coming up. I'm looking at their fixtures in March. They're still to play um, Sheffield United and they're playing Brighton as well. They're still in the FA Cup and looking into April, they've got Burnley, West Brom, Palace, Fulham, Leeds. So there's definitely points up for grabs. And I think Hassan Hutu is probably the right man for the job. Uh, obviously, when you look at his CV, when he's been at Southampton, the things that are going to stick out are the two 9-0 defeats. And I just wonder if that will mar the memories of uh, the Southampton fans a little. I think I don't think he's going to um, get Southampton any higher than about mid-table, but I also don't think they're in trouble of, of getting relegated. They've obviously got two key players who stand out for me. Obviously, Danny Ings is one and James Ward-Prowse is another. If either of those two were to get sold in the summer, where do you think Southampton will be next season? I think it depends on what they can do with any sort of money that they get from those players, uh, you know, and who they can bring in. But their squad at full strength should be okay. The only thing that I would say is that they've got like Theo, uh, if I'm not mistaken, is only on loan. It would be interesting to see whether he makes his move permanent because I think he might be surplus to requirements now at Everton. 
uh, and Everton seem to be in a position where they'd be looking to strengthen but won't be looking for his resource. Uh, you know, same goes for Yannick Bellassi, who's had to drop down into the into the championships. And like players like that, um, I think Theo will have to weigh up his options, but it, would, it will obviously depend on where Southampton are, that he doesn't want to be in a relegation battle. But yeah, like, as you mentioned, Dal, about those, those defeats, I think we mentioned a few episodes ago about how they needed to put those 9-0 sort of uh, defeats in, in into the back of their mind or, or, you know, just forget about them and try and uh, move on from that. And and they clearly haven't been able to do that because I think their form since has been what has been so poor. So Southampton went to Everton on Monday night at football at Goodison Park and they lost 1-0. I'm just looking at the substitutes bench uh, for either side. Southampton had the following players, and I'd be guilty of not knowing who a lot of these players are. Had Chalk, Ferry, Jankovic, Alex McCarthy... Nlundulu, Ramsey, Stevens, Teller and Watts. I'm looking at a lot of those players and I'm thinking, you know, he is very much scraping the barrel um, for, you know, just for players to put on the substitutes bench. They were missing Romeo, they were missing Walcott, they are missing Walker-Peters, Minamino, Diallo. So I think, I say, I think Southampton will be okay. Uh, I, I don't think there are any they're in any, any danger of, of getting relegated. It's just, I think, what knock-on effect will this have next season and what um, you know, how long will, will the board give Haas and Hooter? Will he think, you know, I've taken them as far as I can? Uh, will they be, you know, will they have the, the chance to, to reinvest in the summer? Like I say, I think those two players, if they can hang on to those two, Southampton will still be a Premier League side going into 2023. Um, and I think, like we do at Palace, we always look for three worst teams. And I think there's always going to be three worst teams than Southampton. And it just shows you uh, how important it is to have a squad, you know, a 23-man squad who are who are ready to come on. I'm looking at the substitutes that Everton have. They had Bernard, Iwobi, uh, Josh King. You know, they're, they're players who would walk into the Southampton starting lineup, arguably. Uh, another team who I would like to just pull up on um, from the weekend's results and looking ahead is Newcastle down. Now, in the news yesterday, it came out that um, Almiron and Alan Maximan are out until April. Um, Newcastle, you could say, are in absolute free fall at the moment. They've only won twice in the league this calendar year. Um, and looking ahead, their games, they've got some huge games. They've got West Bromway at the weekend. They've got Villa, Brighton, Spurs, Burnley, West Ham, <laughs> Liverpool, Arsenal, Leicester, City, Newcastle and Fulham. Bar the last two, um, that's quite a tough run-in. Uh, and I, you know, if you haven't got the guys back until April, who we just mentioned... If they're, if they're only fit for the start of May, and on May the 1st they play Newcastle, could Newcastle be in serious trouble of going down? Yeah, I mean, the the, the trouble with me, for me is that I don't see him scoring goals. Uh, I think that Alan St. Maximin has got a lot of quality and Almiron is uh, scoring goals for them, you know, before, before being plagued with injury. My issue is that they've got Dwight Gale, who we all know is a bagsman in the championship, but has never really lit it up in the Premier League, even even when he was with us. Um, and Andy Carroll, who, you know, he's just, he's not a great player. He's just not a great player. And he doesn't even, you know, when he features, the whole game plan changes. Um, he'll come off of the bench and then Newcastle will change their game plan to sort of just knock him, knock him high and get him to draw either a foul or knock them down. But... You know, that's not the way that you want to be playing football when you're fighting for your lives. My 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 view is that Fulham have arguably got the harder run in on the build up to, to the end of the season. 
But having watched our game at the weekend against them, I think that they will pick up points. And I think that it is probably going to be Sheffield United, unfortunately. Um, and then West Brom as well, I don't see making it out. I do see Fulham staying up. So I think it's between Newcastle and possibly Brighton as it stands with a points total, definitely. Uh, I think Fulham, the way that they're playing, and that I think we mentioned last week that they're obviously fighting for Scott Parker and he's doing the same for them. Um, I think that they'll, they'll have no problem if they keep playing the way they are. Uh, you mentioned about the West Brom game, Newcastle-West Brom at the weekend. That's, that's huge, huge importance. I think Newcastle lose that, they'll bang in trouble. And do you know what? I'm going to put my neck on the line. I think West Brom will get a result at the weekend at home. And do you think they'll have enough to stay up, though, Al? Do you think they'll have enough? No, no but it will certainly make it interesting. You know, there's any of... Obviously, we if we say that West Brom and Sheffield United are cut off now, Anyone from Burnley, Brighton, Newcastle, Fulham could join them. I think Southampton at 30, they'll pick up enough points. Palace at 33, Wolves at 34. You're probably going to draw the line there. And to think that Wolves are only one point ahead of Palace, you look at Wolves and go, they're definitely not going to go down. Well, we're only a point behind. So I don't think Palace will go down. Um, we, we know that Roy Hodgson's football isn't the most attractive, but he is getting the results. And whether the Palace board review the situation next season, as we said last week, with the candidates that have been tipped to take over, we'll see. West Brom, I don't know. I don't think they will have enough. You know, they need, you know, three wins just to keep their head above water. Uh, and I don't see where they're going to get a run of, of wins. It just shows that that Newcastle-Fulham game on the last day of the season at Craven Cottage is absolutely massive. And I wouldn't rule out it going to the last day of the season to see who stays up. Yeah, I mean, from a neutral perspective, that's something you want to see but you know we've been there um it's it's got to be heart-wrenching for you know a Fulham fan or a Newcastle fan in that situation you know, obviously is it's a elation if you win the game but for 90 minutes you you, you know you, you can't breathe it's uh it's like you quite rightly said it could go all the, all the way to the wire I'm just looking um at Newcastle and behind the scenes a bit. There's obviously been this news, and it's been no secret that Mike Ashley has wanted to sell the club for a long, long time now. Um, I think he's been in, I think he's had Newcastle for about 14 years or so. I could be wrong, but I think it's 14 years. And he, the, the Saudis, I read that there's a circa £300 million bid. Should Newcastle get relegated, that'll instantly cut off £100 million. Now, I think what Mike Ashley is holding on for is the fact that Newcastle stay up. And if they don't, there's a chance that they will bounce straight back up like they have previous times they've got relegated. They've come straight back up. So if Newcastle stay up and Mike Ashley sells for his £300 million, that's a, you know, the circa figure being being rumoured, he makes a £100 million profit on the price that he paid for them. And if they go down, you know, I don't think he's going to cut his losses. I think he's going to think the team is more than capable of coming straight back up. But do you think Steve Bruce stays... Or do you think he will walk before the end of the season? Or do you think they would sack him? I don't think he'll walk. I think it would depend on what happens towards the end of the season. I don't think that he's the right fit for the club in the Premier League. I think he's proved that this season. But then you could argue that with um, you know without the injury issue or maybe with a little bit of a war chest, which he's not he's not going to get through Mike Ashley. I think we know that um, he might be able to do a bit a little bit better. But he, you know he's um. He is a manager that I could see at championship level. And, and I think that if they were to go down, I think that they'd probably keep him. Um, and as you quite rightly said, I, I wouldn't see Mike Ashley selling up. 
at a price where he's not necessarily going to make any money. So if the club do go down and they think that they can bounce straight back, which again, we know is not an easy thing to do, um, then yeah, I, I mean, he, he'll probably stay on. Uh, if they stay up, they might have a conversation over the summer and say, look, we want to change change the plan. Uh, could they get Rafa Benitez back at the club? I know there's a lot of Newcastle fans that probably rue the day that he, he ever left the club. Um, I enjoyed watching Rafa Benitez at, you know, at Newcastle. Uh, obviously, the, the predecessor to that is Pardew, so we all know about his his results. Some weeks he can have his teams playing like, you know, prime Real Madrid and other weeks like Accrington Stanley. I think it's going to be all about a pride thing, isn't it, for Bruce? Because, like I said, Mike Ashley is going to want to hang on to maximise his profit, isn't he? And if he knows that he has to sack Steve Bruce, that's going to cost him X amount of million pounds. And if Newcastle do go down, there's a lot of players who are going to walk. Uh, I don't know if there's a lot of players out of contract to Newcastle, but, you know, the likes of Almiron, Sir Maximan, you know, the list goes on. A lot of those players aren't going to want to play in the championship. And, you know, he might be able to hold on to a few of them. Steve Bruce might just think, you know, I, I can't work with Mike Ashley. I can't work with no money. I don't want to manage in the championship. You know, possibilities possibilities are endless. But I think if, if a team is going to go down, and I know a lot of Brighton fans, um, they're worried that they could could drop as well. But the, the, the team is falling like a stone at the moment. And with those injuries, it is Newcastle, I'm afraid. Stan, I'm going to look ahead to the Instagram questions. We've had quite a lot. So we weren't, you know, we're eager to get through these. So thank you for um, sending all your questions in and do keep them coming in. And if we can't address them in the next podcast, you know, we'll, we'll save these for weeks going forward. So the first question is from It's a Football Thing podcast. Thank you very much for following us. And thank you for the shout out. They've asked for our highlight game or moment of the week in the last round of fixtures, as mentioned above, Dan. I must admit, I, I, I enjoyed watching uh, Spurs. Um, we've seen as though the recent results for them have been a bit hit and miss. I think that they they were uh, quite you know, good at just getting a job done against Burnley. So, I've, so I'd say that was probably one of the standout fixtures. I think the other one was, was the early kickoff on a Saturday uh, with the City game, only because West Ham looked like a team that, aren't going to lose um, and it obviously took Man City to to extend their run uh, to 20 ga- games unbeaten um, and obviously at the time of recording they've then gone on to, to beat Wolves last night as well so they look unstoppable at the moment. I think it was a really professional job, you touched on Spurs Dan, I think they did a really professional job on Burnley um, and it was quite pleasing I suppose from a neutral to see Bale have you know scored two goals and an assist and I think that's just a glimmer of what he's capable of it may be that uh, him and Mourinho don't see eye to eye, and I think there's a couple of players who probably fall into that category. But you never know with Burnley what side turn up, and that you know they won at Liverpool. Uh, they've frustrated many teams in seasons past, so I think to win four nil, clean sheet, and last week they played Wolfsburg and won four nil. I think Mourinho might have something going on there. I'm um, looking at their fixtures. They're away at Fulham tomorrow. And they're at home to uh, Crystal Palace at the weekend. And then they go back into the Europa League. So that's when you're playing, you know, three or four games in the space of 10 days. So it's it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, on paper, Spurs should be able to get a draw absolute minimum against Fulham. I think they'll beat Crystal Palace. And you fancy them to qualify um, against Dinamo Zagreb. And in between that as a sandwich, they've got nothing less other than the uh, North London derby at Arsenal. So it's a really, really important few weeks for Spurs. But, you know, I think maybe that Mourinho might get a tune out of the players. Uh, a few players might be playing for to get into the Euro squad. I'm thinking Deli Ali, Eric Dyer, Harry Winks. 
that perhaps might not be good enough, but if they can put in, you know, a real good shift towards the end of the season, Southgate will have his eyes on them. And the other team that I uh, that, that you know caught my eye over the weekend down was Arsenal coming from behind to to beat Leicester at the King Power Stadium, and that's not a an easy feat. Uh, Arsenal are tenth in the league. Uh, do you think they can finish in the top seven, or can they even go on to win the Europa League to claim that Champions League football for next season? I think it depends how. I think it depends on uh, how they they are going forward. I think if they can hit the heights of the like you said, the the result of the weekend was no easy um, easy task for them, especially going a goal down. So uh, if if Arteta can can get them firing, then I don't see why not. But it all depends on you know they've only won one major injury away from potentially you know dropping points along the way, or you know their performance against Benfica wasn't fantastic in the last round of the Europa League so you know the thing with Arsenal is they're very inconsistent especially this season so uh, I think their best bet would be to try and go all the way in Europa League because the Premier League has been such a minefield this year everyone seems to be beating everybody there isn't really that many informed teams other than obviously City that we've mentioned so do, do they climb the league by three places in the, in the next 12 games? I don't see it. Um, I know it's tight, but uh, I definitely see them dropping points along the way. So at the time recording, Arsenal, I said, sitting 10th there, six points off of Everton and Liverpool. Everton do have the game in hand. The fixtures ahead include Burnley, the North London derby, as we've said, and either side of that, they're also in the Europa League. They've got Olympiacos. They've got to play West Ham. They've got to play Liverpool, Everton, Chelsea... All the other teams, uh, looking at that, they're in the bottom half of the table. So if Arsenal win the games that they should win, it wouldn't surprise me if they're sniffing around seventh place. But I don't think they're going to get top four. So it almost feel like, do they put all their eggs in one basket and go for the Europa League to win it, to, to get the Champions League football for next season? It's um, They're not the only team who are looking to do that. I think Spurs may do the same as well. Spurs in eighth. Are they going to get top four? Probably not. I think there's four better teams at the moment. You know, the, the two Manchester clubs, Leicester look strong. Uh, Liverpool can't write them out. You can't um, write off Chelsea either. And, but West Ham occupy the fourth spot at the moment. So, you know, even top four could go right down to the wire, as could the relegation battle. You just think there's, there's a few British clubs who think, you know, if we took the Europa League seriously and win it, we're in the Champions League next season. Man United have got the capability of winning it. Spurs could win it if they, you know, if Mourinho sets them up over knockout football, he could get the job done. And Arsenal are the same under under Arteta. So who knows? It's a very, uh, you know, promises to be a very interesting final third of the season. The second question that we had was from Mark on Instagram. I know Mark is an Everton fan. He said, can Everton make a push for fourth place? I'm looking at Everton, they're still to play Chelsea, Spurs, Arsenal, West Ham and Man City. They're two points behind West Ham at present with a game in hand. Dan, Everton's chances of sneaking that fourth spot? I think they've got the team too, Al. Um, and I think that, you know, they, they're obviously playing for Ancelotti. Ancelotti's got a, a, a mindset, a winning, winning mentality. We know that. Uh, and I think if they were to, to get fourth place and, and get that Champions League spot, then their summer and maybe their next season's uh, two transfer windows would be very, very interesting because it would mean that they could then, they've got that attractiveness and that pull of Champions League football for some stars. And that's in addition to a top coach in Ancelotti. It's a very, very lucrative offer on the table should they do it. 
Um, as you quite rightly mentioned, there's a lot of clubs in that top six, seven in the Premier League at the moment, so it's very tight. Uh, it would be nice to see a new a new team um, up there that's not the traditional top, top four or top six. Um, I really like Richarlison, and I think what, what uh, Mark might be able to comment on off the back of this episode going out, I'd like to see his views on it, but do they keep Richarlison? Because I think he's proved that He's a. Uh, he could definitely play at the top level. Um, maybe a better, you know, for a, a better side. So, well, what what do you think? Did do they keep Richarlison? Yeah, you make a couple of really good points there. I think the uh, attraction of playing under Ancelotti is huge. I mean, for them to get a player in the shape of James Rodriguez, who just a few years ago, you know, not even a decade ago, in the um, international tournaments for Colombia, he was setting the world alight. And you think, you know, this guy could go all the way. And he went to um, bigger and better things. And I think Everton did really well to attract a player of his calibre to the squad. And I think Ancelotti is the reason why. Um, and like you say about Richarlison, I think at the moment he is the main man. There's been times where Everton have relied on the players like, I'm thinking the players that they have, Richarlison, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Gilfie Sigurdsson, James Rodriguez. If they can keep that nucleus fit for the rest of the season why can't they get fourth why not but like you say I think Richarlison um, just checking his age he's 23 he's got such such a big future ahead of him he's been at Everton for the last three seasons and he was at Watford ahead of that you wouldn't rule out him to go to one of the big boys Barcelona Real Madrid why not you know he's such a raw talent um, and he's like I say he's shown against Liverpool he was he was the main man um, and against Southampton on Monday He's he's just he's just phenomenal. Got a good stat for you, Dan, and I didn't know this until earlier. Everton haven't scored a second half goal at Goodison Park in over ten games or 137 days. Personally, that's got to change if they're going to get top four. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I didn't know that either. That's that's quite a gobsmacking one for me. Um, and you wouldn't you wouldn't you know if you watch Everton, you wouldn't really you wouldn't really expect to hear that. Um, they they do score goals, so that's a surprise for me. Uh, I, I think going back to to Richarlison, I think with that age, I think that is paramount that Everton do keep performing. And I think if they were to get into uh, the Champions League spots, that could help him to stay. Um, but at that age, I mean, he, he's going to want to be pushing. If a bigger club comes in with a lucrative offer, he hasn't even hit his prime yet at 23. And like you say, he's, uh, he's doing such a good job in, in the uh, Premier League. If he stayed in the Premier League, is he that sort of player that goes, you know, goes to the other side of the Mersey? Does he go to Liverpool? God, I think they'd absolutely crucify him if he did. I'm looking at his stats, right? So since he moved from Watford in his first season for Everton, now bearing in mind he'd only played one full Premier League season with Watford. When he went to Everton, he played 35 games, 13 goals. The 1920 season, he played 36 games, 13 goals. This season is a bit of a lesser return. He's played 21 games and he scored five goals. But he's scored in his last three. So he scored against Southampton, scored against Liverpool, scored against Man City. They lost. And in the cup, he scored twice and they won 5-4. I just, I just think if they can make him the centrepiece with the likes of Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who's just a massive threat, I think... Do you know what? I think Everton could be the surprise package for fourth, and if not fifth, and that's for them to get European football again. That's just you've got to give full credit to Ancelotti there. Mark, we'll keep our fingers crossed for you, mate. If you can get fourth, 
I know we won't hear the end of it. Cheers, mate. Last question is from uh, Tom on Instagram again. Thank you for the question, Tom. He's asked, which teams have benefited most from the lack of crowd and who have suffered the most? We covered it in a previous podcast very slightly, but I think West Ham have benefited from what can be quite a hostile London stadium. And you could argue that they're overachieving this season. I think if you ask West Ham fans at the start of this season, where do you think you'll finish? And I think, oh, they go, do you know what, we'll take a top half finish. Just don't get us involved in a relegation battle. And they'd be looking for that, you know, that Europa League football at the moment. 43 points would get Europa League football. They're sitting on 45 and they're in fourth. They're going to have to have some, you know, some go at this last third of the season to to stay fourth. And I don't think they will. Um, but, but do you think West Ham have benefited and do you think that they're overachieving this season perhaps? Yeah, I think you're right. I think uh, they're a passionate lot. The West Ham fans, uh, which obviously is, there's not there's no problem with being passionate, but that works both ways. Um, you know, I've been to the London Stadium, I've been to Upton Park. They are a team. Uh, they are a fan base that where where their t- if their team are performing, they're they're going to let them know. So you could argue that with fans not being there and the team playing the way that they are. Um, you know, if something goes wrong in a game, they're not having the fans on their back. And, uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think they have been overachieving this season, but there's not going to be any West Ham fans out there that are going to, that are going to say that they're not going to, they're not going to admit to that. Um, you, you know, I don't think they finish in the top four purely because they've got to be, like you quite rightly mentioned, they've got to be on it every single game. Uh, they did play relatively well against um, uh, City at the weekend but they were playing a team that just don't lose games at the moment uh, I really like the introduction of uh, of the Czech midfielder uh, is it Suchek I think he's uh, Thomas Suchek yeah I mean he, he wears his heart on his sleeve uh, there's no doubt about that and I think they need players like that um, and I think their fan base is not too dissimilar to Palace in a sense of they want those sort of players uh, you don't necessarily have to be the best player on the pitch but if you you know if you wear your heart on your sleeve when you're playing football then then they're going to buy into you in that way um so when the fans do go back i think he'll benefit from that and i think he'll get better before get better and better because they'll end up loving him uh more than they probably do already i think you make a really good point there that what west ham fans and football fans in general really especially if you're not always winning what they do want to see is passion that you wear your heart on your sleeve i mean that the guy gets battered and bruised most weeks, and he can certainly give it. And he pops up with a good goal. And there, you know, him is a, an aerial threat. He he is fantastic. He touched upon like a, an Upton Park. When the team went to Upton Park, you fancied that West Ham could turn anybody over Upton Park under the lights on Sky Sports. You know, whether that be Man United there. You know, West Ham used to do Man United all the time at Upton Park. Any any uh, London derbies with Tottenham. You know, at Upton Park with a rocking stadium, they always there or thereabouts. You know, West Ham would, would give everything until the end. I think with London Stadium, one moment that springs to mind is when they played Burnley and one of their fans came on the pitch with one of the corner flags and he stood there in the centre circle. And I think Mark Noble fancied chinning him at the time, to be honest with you. But that just shows you how far West Ham have come on since, especially under David Moyes, under his second tenure there. Without the fans, I think West Ham have performed really, really well. And you could argue, and this is all hypothetical, had fans been in a, a full London stadium week in, week out, would West Ham be fourth? Neither, neither of us can answer that because you could say 
with a full cop for Liverpool, would their title defence be a lot better than it has been? Another team, for me, that have suffered without a crowd are Newcastle. Now, we know that Newcastle fans are very, very passionate. When St James's Park is full, it's absolutely buzzing. They're only three points away from Fulham, who are on a very good run of form, like we said earlier. Do you think if Newcastle had a full St James's Park, would they be in a position that they're in now? I think it works both ways with, with them as well. I think they're a passionate group. Um, and I think that you could argue that the way that Newcastle are playing, if St James's Park was full, I don't think Bruce would be there. I think that the fans would let their voice be heard. Um, they're not the only club, but they're one of few clubs in the league that have that 12th man mentality. Um, when the team isn't firing, they will let the team know about it. And I think that... Uh, I, I think that it's probably a blessing for their fan base that they're not there at the moment to witness what's going on. Um, but that being said, as you quite rightly said, uh, if it was full, they might be able to back the team as well. And um, it, It's a tough one for me. I, again, we, we've both been there. We've been to St. James's Park as away fans, and it's one of those stadiums that it is quite a menacing place to go, um, but we haven't really had that feeling this season. And I don't think that any any uh, teams that have gone to St. James's Park have had that worry. And I think that is down to the lack of fans. Just looking forward, lastly, before we finish this week's podcast, just looking at um, this weekend's games now. Dan, when I asked you for your Europa League pick, who would go through, you said Leicester. And they didn't even score a goal across two ties. So you're not for one at the moment. So I'm going to give you a chance to redeem yourself. Looking forward to the weekend's games. Tomorrow night, we've got Liverpool against Chelsea. Who do you think comes on top at that one? It's at Anfield, Liverpool-Chelsea. Uh, I'm going to go for a draw. I think. Uh, I think it will be a score draw, but I'm going to go for a draw. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to. I'm not going to put put things out there after that that ridiculous shout for Leicester. Um, they really let me down there. I'm not going to. Yeah, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to. I'm going to go score draw. I think. Okay. Uh, another game that we've got is the Manchester derby. Man City, Man United. This at the Etihad again. I think Man City are a team who have also probably benefited well without fans. Um, and to win, what, 21 games on the bounce, did you say? Uh, absolutely phenomenal from Guardiola's side. Man City, Man United, who comes on top? Yeah, ordinarily I'd say this this is a sort of game where form goes out the window, but no, I don't see Man City having any problems at all. Um, the last game that was hyped up earlier on in the season, if I'm not mistaken, ended up a draw, uh, and it was a boring game to watch. So, yeah, I, I think City will get the better of United. I, I, I don't think United cause them any problems. I actually think, well, you know, what if we got Manchester United in a couple of hours' time? I, I'm going to watch the game through gritted teeth, but I'll obviously be able to analyse Man United a little bit in that game as well. A couple more to, to uh, go through. Tottenham are hosting Crystal Palace. Uh, that is on Sunday. So Tottenham against Palace, Dan? Yeah, Spurs win. Um, they got too much. They got too you can much. Never think about it. If no, like. no, no. It's all right. No, I think uh, Spurs win only, only, only because they got too much going forward, and uh, the way that we play at the moment, we just invite invite teams onto our defence. We'll be able to keep them out for you know twenty five minutes, and then if they get one, it could it could turn into a rout. So that that being said, that that could happen to to, to any of our games at the moment. You know, we we proved against Fulham that we we quite resolute at the back, but you know, we we don't offer anything going forward. So, you know, I, I, I've bashed Palace enough over the last couple of weeks, so I'm going to um, keep my mouth shut a little bit. But yeah, Spurs win. 
lastly, Dan, this is Monday Night Football. Chelsea host Everton. Obviously, we've said that Everton have really got to hit the ground running now if they're going to sneak fourth spot. And Chelsea are a team who are probably looking to get that fourth spot too. It's at Stamford Bridge. So, Monday Night Football, Chelsea-Everton. I think I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna shout Mark out on this one. I'm gonna go with Everton. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, yeah, jump on the train and go with Everton. I think. Nice. We'll come back next week for you to get zero out of three. <laughs> zero out of four. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Is it zero out of four? Yeah. Four. Count, four yeah. Zero out of four. <laughs> we should. We should do that. If you want to see it as a feature, we'll give Dan a couple of games and we'll see if he can get any right from now until the end of the season. Yeah, it just shows you I don't know what I'm talking about, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> thank you <laughs> cheers mate um, so yeah thank you very much for your questions do keep coming in you can follow us on Twitter you can follow us on Instagram do keep your questions coming in any topics you want to you want us to cover obviously we've got the Europa League coming up again soon um, we can cover the Manchester Derby hopefully it kicks off Dan and hopefully we can cover that hopefully we get a bit of controversy this weekend we don't seem to be avoiding controversy at the moment uh, with VAR and refereeing decisions so if we get something juicy we can get our teeth into that next week so thank you very much and we'll see you next week Yep, thanks everyone.